The Long Box Crusade presents monthly Monday movie muckabout because the podcasting world needs another movie review show. I am Rick, also known as Not Jeff from Jeff and Rick Presents, and I love movies. I love movies a lot. I've got this huge collection of movies, and I get pretty surprised when I run into somebody who's not seen something that I call a classic. So I bring them over here to the Longbox Crusade headquarters, and I give them a movie, and I see what they think of it. This time, I've got yet another person from one of my favorite podcast that's no longer in existence, Smash Fiction, and that is Claire Mulcairin, writer for Looper and guest and co-host of many other podcasts, which I am not as well-versed in, but Claire, how are you doing? <laughs> Good. I'm not a co-host on a lot of things, but I am a perennial guest. I was saying earlier, I'm, I'm guesting on, I think, five podcasts this month, which might be too many, but... No. <laughs> no. Not in the time of COVID. Not in the time yeah, of COVID. That's true. I mean, you, you can't go out and hang with people. You can't go and party anymore. So pff, you know what? Let's just podcast away. That's true. And the best part is I don't have to edit any of these. And that that's like the way to get me on just about anything is like, you know what? I love hearing myself talk. If I don't have to edit, I'll be on your podcast. I don't care what it is like. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But this podcast, especially because I actively like it, I, I wouldn't... <laughs> Damn. No, 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 no. I, it's all good. It's all good. I get it. I, I mean, the times that I get to be on somebody else's podcast, like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have to edit something? Yeah, I like this. Yeah. yeah ha having a co-host who does not do any editing at all and thinks it's magic and wizardry whenever I do any editing. Yeah, yeah, this is the pains of running a podcast, but I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Yeah. Well, it's a lovely attic you have here. There's so many movies in here. There is, there is. Just be sure you don't trip over any of those G.I. Joe's Sky Strikers. Mm -hmm. It's gone a little nuts out here. They've got way too many now. But no, it's <laughs> it's a fun place. Longbox Crusade has really done well letting me do my show here. And I really appreciate it. It's really nice. And I get to have such great people on. But we're not going to talk about Sky Strikers. We're not going to talk about crazy, crazy podcasts. We're going to talk about movies. Are you ready for me to tell you what movie I would like you to watch? I'm I'm very nervous. <laughs> I'm, I'm extremely nervous, but yeah, let's uh, let's see what we got. If it makes you feel any better, I'm extremely nervous too because it's always an interesting choice I have, and I had a, a very strange selection from you. You had quite the weird gambit of movies, all the way from a obscure Japanese horror film to classic classic uh, musical. So I decided to go somewhere in the middle, and I came up with. The Lost Boys from 1987, the right. teen horror film directed directed by Joel Schumacher himself. Claire, yes. What do you know about this mid 80s vampire movie? Not a lot. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> I know so much. The other, the regular podcast that I'm doing nowadays with Chris Newton is actually one about Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> And I know that this movie was an influence on Vampire the Masquerade in some ways. Yeah. I believe Keith Sutherland is in this. Yes, he is. And I believe this movie gets parodied a bit in What We Do in the Shadows, where like they're doing a thing where he's eating spaghetti and he makes him think it's worms. And I think it's a Lost Boys reference, but... Anyway, that's that's basically all that I've got, apart from, like, if it's Joel Schumacher, it's probably going to be extremely gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Why haven't you seen this before? Uh, there's a lot of movies, man. I don't there's know what you want from me. <laughs> 
I guess I guess this is one because no one's really recommended it for me that hard. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, maybe there are there are a lot of Lost Boys fans that are like, but I guess I don't have. I've never had any in. I've never had any in my life that are super like vocal and passionate. I've never had the you've got to see Lost Boys, you know, type conversation. I can understand that. This is. For my generation, I'm a bit older than you, just a little bit older than you, and I think for my generation, this was something that kind of came out, and it was one of those rite of passage movies that you should watch. It was kind of cool a little bit in the day, but I can see how it's kind of maybe not hitting as much in the influence now. I am kind of curious to see what you think of this movie. I had a, a lot of interesting choices, and I went with this one just because... I thought it might be it up your alley. I think it might be okay. up your alley. We'll see if I'm right or wrong on that. But in order for you to check this movie out, I need to let you go. Borrow my little VHS here if you want. And <laughs> and while we while you're checking out that movie, we are going to listen to the trailer from 1987's The Lost Boys. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No, it's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Stay back! Stay back! What's happening, star? Get yourself a good, sharp stick. Drive it right through his heart. You're a vampire, Michael! My own brother, a damn blood-sucking vampire! Oh, you wait till Mom finds out, buddy! When a vampire buys it, it's never a pretty sight. Michael, they're coming! Oh, shit! And we are back. Now, before we get into the film with my wonderful guest, Claire, I am going to give a quick synopsis of the film. For those of you that haven't seen this classic from the 80s, newly divorced Lucy Emerson has taken her two sons, Michael and Sam, to move in with her quirky taxidermist father in the beach town of Santa Cruz. The two brothers each make some new friends. The younger Sam meets the Frog Brothers, Edgar and Alan, who work at a comic book store. They warn Sam that there are vampires in Santa Cruz, and he needs to prepare. Michael meets a young lady called Star, who is involved with a gang of teenage bikers squatting in an old sunken hotel. Michael gets drawn into the gang's rituals and finds that he is changing, becoming more like this gang of boys, who are vampires. Sam enlists the Frog Brothers to help save Michael, leading to a final showdown between them and the gang, and the reveal of the head vampire who has started to date Sam and Michael's mom. So, Claire, now that you've gotten this wonderful movie into your psyche, what do you think? How was your first impression of it? It was everything that I thought it would be, (laughs) only more so. (laughs) I knew, like, the general aesthetic and attitude of the movie, but I didn't know very much about the specifics, the plot or whatever. And it turns out, there's not that much to know. I kind of thought, like, all I knew was there was this, like, gothy, dangerous, leather 
brooding, somewhat queer tone to the movie. And yeah. that's that's the whole movie. <laughs> like, yeah. this movie yeah. is 80% vibes by volume. <laughs> and so... Yes. Really writing down the the synopsis of the film, it's like, well, A, B, C, D, we're done. I mean, that's about yeah. it. It's it's, yeah. it's pretty straightforward. New kids in town, they meet vampires like you're one to do, and um, they want to turn them into vampires. Right. And, that, and then that, the rest it. of it is just like montages and longing yep. looks and yep. just it's just like an hour and a half long music video it's just like <laughs> pretty close so so i take it that it, it met your expectations and may have exceeded them a little <laughs> it by it 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 qualitatively met my expectations in that it was what i thought it was uh-huh. I, I don't know if I like it or not. <laughs> like, Well, let's get into that and find out if you like it or not, sure. because I understand completely. <laughs> uh, rewatching the film myself, I was like, wow, that aged better than I thought it did. I looked over my wife, who was horrified. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get into this. Okay. So, uh, one thing I want to say, at the beginning of the movie, they arrive in a, a... You got the name of the city wrong. It's actually Santa Carla. It is a fake oh, knockoff of Santa sorry. Cruz. I'm, I apologize. You were correct. I was sure to note this down because I am a connoisseur of good fake city names. All right. You know, you got you got to have like your cool your cool fictional cities. The uh, the A standard is actually all of the different fictional cities in Power Rangers are always very good. I.e., uh, Angel Grove or Mariner Bay. They have like they all sound like real cities almost. They're like specific and yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm a connoisseur of a good fake one. GTA also has very good fake city names. Yes. You know the yes, Los does. Santos and etc. So anyway, getting into this movie, <laughs> talking about it. Let's let's start off with some highs. Sure. Let's start off with some highs. Sure. What really impressed you about this film? I just out of the gate. I don't actually don't know if I want to start with the highs because a lot of the <laughs> highs are at the end, to be honest. I'll talk okay. about it a little bit, but like some of the highs are like I do like the general I like the vibe of the movie a lot. The look of it and and everything like that. Once I kind of got onto its wavelength, which didn't happen until like the third act, because mm-hmm. I was kind of going back and forth like how I know it's at least partially intentionally funny and partially yeah. unintentionally funny. But yeah. but I couldn't figure out what percentage of it was between the two. And maybe that doesn't matter, but I think the first time that it hit me like this might be a bad movie is early mm-hmm. on. You mentioned when the younger brother, is his name Sam? Is that? Sam. Yeah. When yeah. he meets the comic book nerds and they're yep. like, uh, they're like 13 or something. And yep. they are acting like they are kids in a middle school play about adult vampire hunters. <laughs> yeah. Not especially well. And I, yeah. and I was like, am I supposed to be taking these people seriously? And it didn't, it didn't occur to me until I got to the final act and like the actual vampires show up and like his older brothers there. I'm like, Oh no, they're a bunch of dorks and they're supposed to be a bunch of dorks. And like, and then I kind of got into that. And, and then the last act of the movie is just a delight. It, it, (laughs) it becomes very like kind of Shaun of the dead or like evil dead or what, whatever, like your sort of comedy horror thing is of choice. Not straight up parody, but kind of a wink nudge parody. Right. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. it's fun. It's cartoonish in the end, and it's right. it's just like yeah, it kids with super soakers full of holy water and yeah. just nonsense like that. 
I think you got it right, though. Let's talk about the Frog Brothers, because they are an interesting part of this film. They are. <laughs> and you are correct. They come across supposed to be much, much older, and they're in charge. I mean, they're in charge of their parents' comic book store. So that gives them a level of, we are mature. Well, not really. That doesn't make you mature. But they think they're, they're these experts at vampire hunting. And they come across with this bravado attitude. You have met kids like this when you were younger. You know, you have, you know, kids like, you know, kids, I, I see kids like this now with my daughter. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're one of these kinds of kids. <laughs> right. You think you know all this stuff, but no, you really don't know all this stuff. You just have maybe read it or seen it or picked it up, but that doesn't make you an expert. Yeah. I think early on in a movie like that, there's, there's a concept that has, was told to me in an illustration class that I took when I was in school about the idea of establishing authority as yeah. a creator. And what that means is you need to convince your audience and show them that the things that you're doing are on purpose and like so that they buy into oh you're like a competent creator so like you can do a somewhat like minimal or childish or crude draw drawing you have to be able to like learn how to convey that it's intentional in the way that you draw it in a way that still has Mm -hmm. like and like i said i think the issue with me in that first scene was i was not convinced that this movie knew that they were supposed to be what they were but anyway like moving past that i think the only other the other like kind of big issue that i have with kind of the first bit of the movie is surprisingly for a movie about vampires there's not a lot of stakes (laughs) no no uh, it's a joke about yeah I got anyway. it. Great. Anyway. Yeah, there, there's there's not there's no stakes and there's a, a dearth of stakes yes, yes. but yes. anyway like there's instead <laughs> like i said it's all just vibes um generally plots when there's like a plot of a movie there's a character who has a goal and they're trying to pursue this goal but then there are obstacles in the way that are preventing them from getting their goal no that's not in this movie. No, it is not. It is not. <laughs> no. it ha- the last act is, but like... Yeah, the last act, they finally come in and did right, that. Right, but yeah. like like Michael, for instance, he shows up, and what does he want in this town? The first time we get a sense of this is like, he meets this girl, Star, who he just like, and he wants to like bang her, I guess. But the only reason why he wants to is like, just their eyes meet from across a boardwalk, and he thinks she's cute. And yeah. that's all we really get out of him. And then... Kiefer Sutherland. It's love at first sight. It's 80s love at first sure. sight. But then they talk and like, they, we don't really get like a, anyway. And then, There's no rainbow connection. Yes. And then it, it feels they filmed all of the various in-between B-roll shots and reaction shots of a movie, but then they didn't film the actual dialogue scenes. Like, And like Kiefer shows up and he starts kind of trying to get this main character to join his gang, but maybe he's trying to yep. murder him. And we don't really get a sense of what he wants from our main character throughout most of the movie. And yeah. so you're just kind of like drifting. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. There's nothing, there's no real tape to glue or to stick any of this together. You're just on for the ride. Yeah. That's it. It's one of those movies you just, the more you think about it, the more it falls apart. But when you sit back and like you said, just let the vibe wash over right. you. Oh, okay, we're just doing this. And All right, and, that's fine. And the movie does a trick that I have seen in a lot of movies that are have very bad scripts. Because most of these problems, by the way, are just the script. Like the rest of the stuff sure. I'm cool with. There's a type of movie, a type of script where the writers don't really know how to make any interesting conflicts or they realize midway through writing that they don't have any interesting conflicts, but they just need to have scenes 
but the mm-hmm. scenes don't end up being about anything because there isn't a plot. And their way of solving this problem is just by having the characters be jerks to each other all the time and just like yell at each other and not trust each other and insult each other. And like, it's that's like, like a lot of the scenes between the two brothers or a lot of the scenes between Kiefer Vampire or whatever and Michael. You see the tension between Michael and David. Uh huh. And you you can read things into that if you'd like. I mean, you, there could be some queer undertones in there. Yeah. There's a few times they get yelling and they get bravado with each other, but there's not as much as you've seen in other movies from the 80s. Yeah. There's not as much of that testosterone, you know, thumbing the chest. Most of it is is where they do the thing where they're going and about to go off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Or hanging on the other side of the bridge. I mean, those were two pretty big, like, toxic masculinity scenes at their finest, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, but still, the, the, under the bridge is weird because it ends weirdly. It's like, oh, well, what's... Uh, hmm. Okay. Yeah. The the I, w- I would almost push back on you with the brother relationship, though, because on my rewatch this time, I was really noticing that the movie does a fairly good job of establishing that these brothers really do care for each other. Mm-hmm. They're, they're messing with each other a lot. But at the beginning, you see that. They're messing with each other. But they do it in a way that's kind of like, it's just brothers goofing around together. You know, it's, 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 they're messing with you. It's not for, not every family runs like that, but it's, you, you kind of, you see that there's a relationship that's between them without having to go through a lot of dialogue, which I was like, for me, it worked. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to push back to on their relationship mm-hmm. is, uh, do you know what Sam says to Michael when he finds out that he is a vampire? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is, yes. this is also, I will point, I wrote the line down because it's great. This is, up until now, I will point out, Sam did not believe that vampires were real. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and this is both him realizing A, vampires are real, B, my brother is a vampire. The next yes. sentence to leave his mouth is, You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a <laughs> sucking vampire. You wait till mom finds out, buddy. <laughs> now, <laughs> now now if you wish to defend the script of this movie, you may continue. Oh, I'm not. De- I'm not defending the script of this movie. I just think that I just think that Corey Haim and Jason Patrick uh, convinced me that they are actually brothers. And you, yes. I would almost, I would almost argue that that line helps defend that. Yeah, they're brothers because that's the first thing he says is "Wait till mom finds out." Sure. <laughs> and again, that was me. Like, is this movie intentionally corny, bad, whatever, or is it? I and I still. Anyway, no, no, it, I, I completely, I, I go with it. You know, okay. I, I am, I am down with it completely. I could, I agree with you, okay. and at the same time, there's also parts of me that are like, yeah, I don't care. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, we've gone through all of that. Like, I just wanted to like, I was just like lost at sea. I'm, I'm very, I'm very sensitive about script stuff. Yeah. That's like my number one thing that I I criticize is like I think like a writer as I'm doing it. So like, you know, it's a it's a giant mess that all that stuff, but it kind of it won me over a lot at the end. And I there was another thing that I realized while watching it was just how much of the stuff in this ended up going on to influence other vampire movies and other depictions of vampires. Mm-hmm. There's the obvious 
what we do in the shadows one where they do the same thing with making the food into worms thing is a thing in that and they actually call it out as being a lost boys thing in the dialogue but then there were a couple other ones i think that probably like the flying through the air fighting each other fight scenes in what we do in the shadows (laughs) seem sort of inspired by this um you know sleeping upside down and a couple of the other like shots were very very similar also there's a simpsons treehouse of horror episode about dracula that yeah it's partially inspired by like nine Bram Stoker Dracula Mm -hmm. but it's also I didn't realize how much of it was also Lost Boys in that there's like opening they go to like stake them all while they're sleeping is like a thing Mm -hmm. that that they do and then there's also trying to figure out who the head vampire is is like a thing in the Simpsons episode yeah so that was and I I, I realized that but I will say that that set me up improperly for the twist and I didn't see the twist coming because I thought a different person was going to be the head vampire who did you think it was going to be I thought it was going to be Star Okay. The, the twist at the end is that the like weird guy that the mom is dating turns out to be the head vampire, so they need to kill that head vampire. I thought that the twist was going to be that it's Star because she acts like like all of the boys are all of the like wild ones, you know, but right. she's always with them, but she's just acting like, oh, I, I can't control them. They're just so, you know, the, they're just wild. But she, and she's like cozying up to Michael and like, I'm not like those other ones. And I thought the twist was going to be like, she's actually controlling them. She's pulling the strings. She's the mastermind. Mm-hmm. She's the head vampire. Um, and the reason that I thought that is because in the Simpsons episode, the head vampire turns out to be Marge. <laughs> And so yeah which was a bit of a of a similar twist yeah I'm, I'm trying to think if this if if that would be a more interesting movie or not uh-huh. or giving this this movie more credit than it deserves which i think it would, it would give star something it's a bit of a um cliche femme fatale thing which is not great but i think it's better than what she currently has which is nothing <laughs> well yes so i mean one of the thin thin layers on this yeah. is that it is a peter pan yeah ripoff is what it is yeah. i mean lost boys it's that's a clue right there and she has the role of wendy mm-hmm. i mean that that's her role is wendy and she's taking care of the lost boys and when you think about it, it's like well wendy didn't do much besides that mm-hmm. yeah i i would agree this is not a very good movie for feminism at all there's only two women really in this and the, the mom she's more of a character but she's yeah, yeah she's more of a character but i mean she's she's really kind of useless yeah. on a lot of levels she's just going through a lot of motions herself yeah and then you have star who is not that great of a character at all yeah but we do have vampires though yes. what did you think about the vampire gang yeah i mean well there's alex winter and that's great yes there is <laughs> i wanted more of him that made me upset that he's like you get like the least out of him out of all of them it felt like so. yeah i think he said maybe one line i think he said bye and that was it when he dropped down that that's about it right so yeah I, the only thing is, is like, you're just going hey look it's bill yeah 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 <laughs> in terms of like the vibes and the queerness a lot of that is, it's very personal. It's like kind of whether or not it strikes your fancy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think like if you gender swapped this movie, it would be like one of my favorite weird bad movies of all time. <laughs> but that's just because whatever, I'm, I'm a queer lady and I want to see cool queer ladies and things. You know, as it stands, I'm sure- That would be a, that sure- would be a fantastic <laughs> movie, actually. <laughs> that would be a fantastic movie. But as it stands, you know what? I am sure this movie does it for a lot of people. Kiefer, not really my bag, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland in this is, it's interesting because looking at Kiefer Sutherland now and back then, yes, he's younger, but there is a straight line between him then and him now. Totally. He has not changed that much. He has always looked like he is just on the bad side of 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
like I said, I, I was very into the climax. By the end, it ends in a good place. The last line of the movie is amazing because yes. what what basically <laughs> happens at the very end is that well let's let's, let's build up to that oh, last sure. line let's build up to that last line because there's a lot of fun stuff that occurs yeah. going into this final final act if you will now that everybody's on board that yes vampires are real and that michael is turning into vampire and star and the little crazy kid is too yeah. well they need to save him they need to get rid of the they need to get rid of all the vampires Oh, yeah. One thing I don't think we said is basically midway through the movie, Michael gets fed some vampire blood and you basically learn that Michael and Star and Star's younger brother, I think, are all half vampires, they say, yeah. because they've they, you don't become a full vampire until the first time you feed. And once you right. become a full vampire, you're a vampire forever. But if you kill the full vampire, if you kill, sorry, the head vampire before they turn, then all of the half vampires become humans again. So there's a way for Michael to become a human again and star and him to save them all. Really, so it's, that was... if you read the instructions that you were given at the time you drank the blood, yes. this would all make perfect sense. <laughs> yes. You know, so that's, that's all we ask is read the instructions, yeah. folks. But they are men and they can't read instructions. So <laughs> there we go. So we know that's happening. So it's time to hunker down to make the house that they're, the grandpa's house, yeah. a... A, a total home alone situation. Right. They've got traps set up. They've got a bathtub filled with holy water and garlic. They've got their squirt guns filled with holy water. Great scene, by the way, when they go into the church and fill up the guns with holy water. I love and just, that. Yeah, they, they get like these canteens. They're dipping in and like everybody, I think there's like a, like looks like maybe a baptism, baptism or something up. Yeah. And everybody just looking at these kids in like camo or whatever who are like filling up canteens. <laughs> Rock on. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What's going on here? And and so we've got this final scene. Okay, we're ready. And they've already they've already said you know no vampire goes the same way. Some of them implode, some of them explode. You know, and all this stuff. Right. We're ready to go. And this is where we really. Well, this is actually the second time we see the Frog Brothers just fail in the face of any kind of danger. Totally. The vampires start coming in. They start attacking, and we have some fantastic explosions. <laughs> we have some fantastic special effects as these things go up in a variety of ways. Yeah. You got the vampire that goes into the bathtub. You got the one that goes into the stereo and explodes. Yeah, you've just got all this craziness going on. And they finally kill David, Kiefer Sutherland's character. They're like, okay, that's it. Everybody turning back. And Michael's are like, no, no, not so much. And then you have mom's boyfriend come in. Find out he's the head vampire. And then we have a final scene with him. And things are looking bad. Looks like everybody's going to lose. Then Grandpa comes back. Because they jimmied up an excuse to get Grandpa out of the house. Mm -hmm. And now Grandpa comes back. And he's been an interesting old codger throughout the entire <laughs> film anyways. Yeah. Very strange. But he comes rolling back in. Smashes through the front of his house. Launches off a post kills the main vampire and then says the final line if you would like and then yeah he walks over to the fridge and then he opens up the fridge which has now been like splattered by by blood and everything and he pulls out a root beer and opens it up and then he says one thing about living in santa carla i never could stomach all the damn vampires <laughs> scene. I mean, the, the, the scene closes with the light in the kitchen going out as he closes the, the refrigerator door. Yeah. And that's People Are Strange starts playing. It's like, chef's it's so kiss. Great. Chef's like, kiss. So by the end of it, I felt like this felt like the bad, weird pilot 
of a good, slightly comedic horror TV show. They couldn't decide on all of the tone stuff, and the pacing's really weird in the first episode, and the characters aren't quite themselves yet, but if you watch later, the, you know, if Lost Boys was a show, it really gets good later on, and you can feel like towards the end of the movie, they're starting to figure it out, it's starting to get into its groove, and like, I'm like, cool, I'll watch the next one now, but like, no, it's just over. <laughs> My reaction has always been, yeah, this entire movie is nothing else but setting up that one joke. Yeah, that, that's what the much. movie is. The movie is is this long joke for that last punchline, and that's it. Welcome to theater, folks. Have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> which, which I gotta say, there have been worse movies out there. Totally. Really. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of Grandpa throughout the film? Oh, he was great. Yeah, he is just silly, weird, somewhat horny, strange old man. But. uh a very sick sense of humor. They show up. He's on the on the ground and on the porch. Looks like he's had a heart attack. And his daughter comes running up. Dad, dad, dad. Is he, is he dead? And he still sits up. Ha! Ah, you know. Yeah. Oh, this was a joke. Right. That's a I, bad joke, I, of joke, course, Grandpa. assumed that that was a, a setup for a later payoff of him either actually dying or, again, pretending to die during a vampire attack, which did not happen, but whatever. Yeah. So, but I mean, he loves his grandsons. Yeah. I mean, especially, especially Sam. I mean, he brings Sam presents every night. Totally. With a different taxidermy animal. <laughs> <laughs> Another great little thing where it's like, he, Sam keeps putting him in the closet near the end. Closet is just stuffed full of all of these taxidermy right. animals. I do yeah, like there just... was Chekhov's taxidermy though, a bit though, because David, the Keither Sutherland vampire does get staked on some antlers on the wall as like, so yeah. <laughs> See, there are stakes in this film. <laughs> 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 what else really brought the film around to you in that last act? Um, I'm not really sure. Like, I think like just everything was working. Just, you know, the effects were really great. Like the vampires looked really cool. It was like cheesy 80s effects, but in a really good way. And like I said, I think it was just competently shot and written action mm-hmm. where they're like with this corn and this vampire in this hallway, let's use some garlic on him. Oh no, the garlic doesn't work. He says, ah, garlic doesn't work on vampires, but then they also have holy water. So they get him with holy water, yep. like, you know, or there's the vampire who's flying at Sam and he shoots him with a bow and arrow and he falls yep. over and he thinks he got him. And then he gets up and he's like, you missed and he missed his heart and then he shoots and then he gets him. And like, it was just like, you know, good, good action scenes, just well-constructed. I, it's just like very basic that it just like suddenly became a movie, <laughs> you know, it wasn't just like people staring at each other while there's like, you know, fog on the ground. And then like, they say some, something vague and threatening. And I'm like, was that a scene that just happened? Like, so. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was it was good. But and like all throughout, like the music is great, the look is great, all of like the fashion, it was extremely 80s and I was really enjoying it. There were just like whenever we were seeing scenes of like the boardwalk, there's a lot of attractive people and just oh, yeah. uh just styled well and lit well and just yeah, it's it's really great. Well, we're gonna talk about good looking people. Yeah. We gotta talk about the saxophone player on the beach. <laughs> Yeah, so what if you don't follow the Twitter account for this, whenever like Rick does one of these, it's like he puts up this thing like recording with whoever, be like whatever, and he puts that up after mm-hmm. he records th- with you. And so he put one up for me, it says recording with Claire Mulcairin, be like, and then there was an image of this guy, shirtless, kind of like twerking Avant La Lettre, um, playing a saxophone while there's like 
flames <laughs> shooting up and stuff and a burn barrel next to whatever one. yeah and it was and i i think i had seen that used before as a reaction gif and did not know what it was but then and i was just waiting for it you know when it came up in the movie and it was just as delightful as i thought there's an extended concert scene again no stakes, no reason for this concert in the greater film. You just get to see a shirtless guy playing a saxophone next to some fire for a bit yeah. in this movie. And then a different thing happens for a while. <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't know. For me, that is one of the shots in the film that has always stuck with me. I can, that song yeah. and that bit always plays in my head. And I'm just like, I don't know why but i'm sure that it will be there forever it'll be there till the day i die because when i think of lost boys that's one of the first <laughs> things that comes to mind yeah it's this muscled out oiled up guy tim capello playing a saxophone on the beach and wow yeah yes it is yeah <laughs> it is a thing <laughs> i again i can appreciate it from a distance but i don't know if it's like i don't know what it is but this is just like a me thing but, like, just a lot of unbroken masculinity for too long just really turns me off. Like, I just, <laughs> just, like, surrounded by just, like, dudes and sweatiness and just the vibes of m- maleness. And then there was just, like, it's fine. It's just, I I don't know if it's being trans or not, but, like, I'm just, I just don't need any male energy in my life ever again like i don't know it's a very it's a very doodly movie there's just a it's a there's a a lot of shots like you know the the traditional like male gaze way of shooting mm-hmm. shooting women is done a lot yeah. to a lot of men with like somewhat unbuttoned shirts and some like carefully styled hair and just perfectly applied eyeliner just yep. you know and lots of fog and lots of angst and <sighs> it is a movie. I think <laughs> I want to know if there's anything else you wanted to talk about before we start wrapping this. Up. Yeah, I don't really think so. <laughs> I like I wanted to have a really in like long and in-depth conversation about this, but like there's just not enough to talk about. I'm realizing I think I said it all and I'm just kind of <laughs> repeating myself because it's like, yeah, this movie is not one of the great thinkers of the time. It is not. Like you said, it has done a fairly interesting job if not perfect job, of influencing other vampire lore. There's other things that have picked it up. It's definitely got a place in the zeitgeist. Yeah. It has some interesting people that are in the film. I mean, you got the two Corys in it. You got <laughs> Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Okay, this is, you know, check that off the box of having those guys in there. Kiefer Sutherland, it's great to see him in a young role. Jason Patrick, okay. Diane Weist, not a bad yeah, she uh, was, character she was as well. Yeah, she was good. I the performances, they are what they are. Uh, you can take it or leave it a lot of it. I think they did the best they can. Okay, yeah. with that script. If you could think of a better way to deliver the line, you're a vampire, Michael, my own brother, a goddamn <laughs> vampire. You wait till mom finds out, buddy. Like, if you can deliver that line in a serious way. <laughs> and looking at the age of Corey Haim when he said it, too. Yeah. Okay. They're doing, right, you know they're doing fine. They're doing they're fine doing with the fine. material. They're doing just fine with it. It is what it is. Like you said, the music, the mood, the vibe of it, those are some of the, the, the standout parts, I think, yeah. really. Plot and the script, I agree. They are whatever. I always think of the music. I always think of the setting and the mood. Totally. And I see, you know, there's certain scenes. That the, you're right. The final act of this is worth the price of admission in my book. I think that it 
really sells what they're trying to do with the film. It's a lot of like great death scenes. If you're really into that kind of action violence yeah. stuff, it's kind of fun. I mean, they have fun with it. There's enough comedy. It's not taking itself seriously at all. Yeah. And that final line, it's a good payoff it's, yes. line. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a look then and see how you feel about it on a rating system. Yes. I'm going to give you five bags of popcorn and you got to give them back to me full. Okay. So, how many full bags of popcorn would you give this? One to five, one being this is horrible. Right. Five being this is fantastic, which I'm not I'm pretty sure we're not gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> but I am curious to know how many full bags of popcorn you'd give this film. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad. And I they might more or less even out. I'm not totally sure. It's like it's not like a normal movie. It's not a forgettable movie, but no. All of the many, many pluses and the many, many minuses end up being somewhat average, I think. But I think this is a movie that is very, since it's so specific and since it's so singular and it's doing stuff that I'm, I've not really seen anywhere else, I think that this is the sort of movie that people are not going to agree on. I think there's going to be a yeah. lot of people that really love this movie and like mm -hmm. if you love this movie more power to you go watch it i don't think any less of anyone who loves this movie <laughs> i love barbarella so much yeah. it's like you know it, we all have we all have those and like so I, i'm not going to try to talk anybody out of liking this but i also wouldn't really try to talk anyone into liking it if if mm -hmm. you know like i i wouldn't recommend to anybody like so I would want to give it four, but I don't, I don't think I can. Like, I think we're settling in the three range. That is perfectly fine. Yeah. And I agree with you. One of my favorite movie shows, and I think I've said this before, is We Hate Movies. It's four guys from New York that rip into movies, and they are merciless. They have fun. They're And they are the first to admit it. We are four guys doing comedy, and we rip on movies. We know what we like. We know what's good movies. We know what bad movies. It is okay to like a movie. It is okay to hate a movie. If we are ripping apart a movie you love... That's okay. We aren't telling you you have to hate it. We just are making fun. We're having a good yeah. time. There are movies that they love that you can hate, and that's okay, too. It's perfectly fine. And I think films like this are a good example of that. This isn't for everybody. Got it. This this is a movie that Joel Schumacher made for one person, and that person is Joel Schumacher. <laughs> and... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I agree. <laughs> no, I, I have been toying with whether this is a three or a four for me. I would say this is a definite strong three. Uh -huh. I just have nostalgia totally. and my own kind of love that pushes it into a four range. Totally. And I think I'm going to have to be honest and true with myself and say that it is a four for me because after doing my rewatch of it, I just sat there laughing going, this movie holds up very well. Right. And it is and it is a good time. It's fun. It's inconsequential as anything. Yeah. But I don't blame anybody for saying it's any other score at all, because I can see all the seams on it as well. Yeah. And I can see the real problems with it. But then I hold it up against everything else. And I'm like, there is other 80 movies that just hurts to watch. Totally. This one, I got done with it. I was la I'm laughing. I'm like, it's a good movie. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just me personally, just like script issues bother me a lot. And yeah, it was a very masculine movie. <laughs> and, and, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. I really, really, really appreciate you being on and doing this with me and, and having fun with the movie, too. If people want to go out and hear you talk about other things, where can they do that at? You can follow me on Twitter at Claire Mulcairin, uh, C-L-A-I-R-E-M-U-L-K-E-R-I-N. 
I am doing a show about vampires. There is a really good role-playing game podcast called Mega Dumbcast. That is ordinarily a show about Palladium. The the host, whose name is Chris Newton, who's great, does a once-a-month show on his Patreon called World of Dumbness, colon... F. Mary Slay. I can't say the actual name of the show because this is a no swearing show. And uh, (laughs) it's a show where I don't really know anything about World of Darkness. And Chris is introducing me to all of the different clans in Vampire the Masquerade one at a time. And I have to decide whether I would F. Mary or Slay this clan. Just curious. I don't know because I didn't do the research on this, but what clan do you think these Lost Boys are in? They are probably Bruja. Yeah. There's like a touch of Gangrel at times, but they're not quite animally enough. Yeah, probably Bruja, which which are like, you know, leather punky vampires. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I would tend to agree with that. I think it would I, more on the Bruja side, and I think a little bit of Gangrel. I, I can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. The Father one is a bit of a Torridor. Yeah. Not a Torrid. Uh, oh, no, not Torridor. Uh, Ventru. Thank you. Yeah. Ventru. Yeah. I When I started off, I always mixed up Ventru, Tremere, and Torridor. They were all the fancy vampires is what I, yeah. what I have dubbed them. Uh, Ventru, Ventru is the is the political ones. Uh, Tremere is the blood magic ones. And Torridors are the love and artsy ones. Yeah. Yes. Woo. <laughs> okay. That's not good that I know that. <laughs> So check that out on the Patreon. It's a couple bucks a month or whatever, but it's worth it. And it's a delightful podcast. If you want to hear me talk about vampires and stuff or just follow me on Twitter, I'm going to be having a lot of interesting artistic projects that are going to be coming out over the course of 2021. I'm working on various weird artsy collaborations, uh, a card game that's going to be coming out. I'm probably also going to be releasing a retro-y little video game thing that I programmed with some friends. And also I have a tabletop RPG that I designed called Transatlantis that you can get from my itch.io page, which you can find a link to on my Twitter. If you want to play a game about transgender sky pirates living in the 22nd century, be trans, do piracy. That is a fantastic tagline. I love it. (laughs) Claire, thank you very much once again. Where you can find me at, you can find me on Twitter at mmuckabout or on my other podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, which I host with my pretty boy vampire, (laughs) Jeff. If you would like to be on the show, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at jeffandrickpresent, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you very much to the Longbox Crusade Network for letting me use this attic of their headquarters to hang upside down in and to broadcast my show. And a thank you to their sponsor, Omaha Bound. If, if you want to bind up all of your Tomb of Vampire books into one big hardbound book, that's the one to do it. Fortunately, they're probably still on their one-year hiatus, but keep checking through on their website. They should be done with that soon. Also, thank you very much to the Longbox Crusade members who help support the network. If you would like to support the network, head on over to Patreon and search for Longbox Crusade. That's all the time we have for you today. Grab your popcorn and pull up a seat to our next episode, which will be coming out next week. The music for this episode is Fall Back by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. 